Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, friends. Do you like baseball? Do you like development? Do you like to read? I'd like to introduce you to my new friend, Linda Warziniak. She's got a brand new book that you're going to hear about right now. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Well, let me introduce you to my new friend, Linda Warziniak. We should probably, uh, I think people would like to know how you and I met. So let's start with our mutual friend, Mike McCluskey. Perfect. Mike has been uh, in music world for a long time. That's how I know him for a decade plus. You met him in a coffee shop cafe in Nashville one day. We were discussing my daughter's upcoming entertainment and sort of strategy for promotion of some of the things that she was working on. So I was just the uh, innocent bystander drinking coffee. And he started asking you things like, who are you and what do you do? Exactly. I was working, actually, it was the middle of, for me, it was February, middle of uh, the craziest part of baseball. So I work in international baseball, professional baseball. And all of a sudden, um, he asked what I was doing, what I was working on. I said, oh, I'm just working on these, uh, on a lot of these different things that were, were programs that were laying out for players. And I started telling him about baseball. And immediately he perked up because he has this long history of being an umpire. And I didn't know that. And um, he said, well, so, so what do you do? I said, basically, we turn failure into success. That's really what we do. And he said, you need to write a book. Now, I didn't even really know him. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> it was like the furthest thing from my mind. And he's like, no, you really need to write a book because this is fascinating. Little did I know that he had some of his own struggles with failure. I mean, most people do. From there, I think, you know, it was intriguing because he wanted to know, well, well, how do you do that? What, do you, what exactly do you mean by that? So, You had no intention None. of writing a book. None. And you and I are sitting together and I'm holding your book <laughs> in my hand. God works in amazing ways. Million Dollar Adjustments, The Power of Small Changes on Performance, Productivity, and Peace. And if you're paying close attention, that is a baseball skin uh, you can kind of see wrapped around the book as the cover. And then there's your name and wonderful font. Linda, congratulations. Thank you. From point A to point B, how long did this take you to write? Truthfully, probably like when I really started writing about three months. I mean, I had some ideas for about two months prior to that. So maybe a total of five or six, but really intently three months. You had all of the stuff already ready to go. You just needed to put it down on paper. Right. So... A lifelong lesson here of stuff, or did you start doing deep diving into what your gifting is a decade ago, five years ago? The content is based on research that I was doing on baseball players for a while, probably 15 years. Okay. And the reason I was even doing this research is because I had one task, 
And my task was get these young men from international countries to develop faster in their language, culture, acculturation, so that they could be really effective and maybe climb up the ladder quickly and so we could get our money on our investment from these guys. Wow. So it wasn't just me, obviously. We had, you know, tons of coaching staffs, trainers, nutritionists. It's a whole team of people to get guys to that level. And when you come from another country and you are already behind the eight ball when it comes to guys in the dugout talking movie slang or using cuss words you never heard or whatever, girls, you know, they don't know how to interact the the way with American girls. I mean, all this stuff, you know, traveling, ordering food. What does a baseball coach on the field mean when he uses that word? We never say that word in my country. You know, all these different things and getting them up to speed fast. That was no small task, and there was no playbook. Um, Major League Baseball didn't have it. No other teams had it. Each team was kind of doing this on their own, and um, so that's kind of how I got involved. Was your first job with the Cubs to do this type of thing? No. Oh, so you've been doing this for a while. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of different teams over the years. Um, I started with the Diamondbacks, Arizona Diamondbacks here in town. Then I went and I also, like, people started hearing a little bit about what was happening. And Pause button. When you say here in town, the Diamondbacks were the major league team that the South Bend Silverhawks were a part of. Correct. Before the Cubs came in and purchased our local team. That's right. Okay. So you're working with uh, Silverhawks slash Diamondbacks. Yeah. And it started here with the Silverhawks. And then... After one year, I said, well, you mean we need to do more? There's no system here. We need to, like, create more. So I went to them and said, can we work with the the farm team? Can I work with the farm team, like, ahead below us and and the one maybe even above us? Because we need continuity. They're like, absolutely. So then I started working with those two teams, and then I started working with another team. And then the Padres came in town often and played. Their affiliate team came in and played ours. And everybody kind of knows everybody in baseball. So they started to see, like, okay, what are you doing? And then they would say, oh, can you help us? Who were the Padres team back then? For um, They were the, um, gosh, it's in uh, Fort Wayne. Oh, the Tin Caps. The Tin Caps. Okay. Yeah, back okay. then. Yeah. So they... Uh, Started working with them and then got that going. Then also started working with levels below and levels above, flying to Arizona. Just, I mean, the whole thing just started to get kind of known. Did a little bit for the Seattle Mariners, um, then with the Angels, and then with the, I mean, it just, as people kind of heard and, you know, saw what we were doing, then the Cubs, I mean, it just started to grow. Are you a baseball fan? Um, I really wasn't a big fan before, no. I mean, my dad listened to baseball when I was growing up, right. and so I was around it and um, went to some games, but I wouldn't say it was like a huge passion. Are you now? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When you start to work with a player from another country, is there immediate buy-in? Like when they are brought into the organization, Linda and her team are going to are gonna get you on the fast track to getting you more acclimated, or does it take a little while for them to go, I just want to play baseball. I don't care about that other it's stuff. all different i mean yeah. there are definitely guys who are like yeah i don't care about that but then they fail ultimately and then they'll have a point where they'll fail because everyone fails in baseball i don't care how good you are um and then when they fail they're like oh why did i fail maybe i didn't understand what that guy was saying or maybe my swing was terrible or whatever there's a you know bunch of reasons and then they're kind of more open usually so the most i would say the million dollar adjusters the guys who really do well and stay, you know, stay a long time in, in the game, they know that they're, they've always got to be learning. They've always got to be challenged. They need to go to the next, have all these, you know, they need to take advantage of what the team is offering. 
part of the reason I wrote this book and how this all this research happened was because when you're trying to teach somebody something like that at that level, and you only have a small window of time, you cannot use traditional academia, like whatever's out there. You've probably took Spanish in high school, right? Yeah. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> Why? Because I just felt like a fish out of the bowl and I couldn't grasp it. You know, and you and you saw like the semester is about to end and I don't get this. Right. It's, it's not, I'm not digesting it. Exactly. And that method of how it's taught could absolutely not be used in sports. Yeah. It would never work. So I decided I had to do something different. And I, I stumbled upon this idea after talking to a lot of coaches in meetings and, and everywhere on the field that they always talked about the differentiator in success is how well a player makes adjustments. Like I'd sit in meetings full of, full of players and coaches and, we're, and they were doing evaluations and they would say, how does he make adjustments? Oh, he makes adjustments, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, they keep saying this word over and over and over. So I, I ask them, what, what is an adjustment? What do you mean by that? Nobody can really tell me because you know why? It's a big concept. And so I said, okay, I've got to figure this out and I've got to use it in my teaching. And that's what I did. So I had to come up with a test. and For baseball fans that might be listening... Yep. Are you allowed to name some names who you've worked with? Maybe a few I can name. Give me give me two. Okay, Wilson Contreras. If you're a Cubs fan, you're drooling right now. And Duran Ciarte. Okay. Braves. All right. You're with the Cubs organization right now? Yes, I work um, on a contract with them. Yes. I'm holding Linda's book, Million Dollar Adjustments. Who needs to buy this book? Does this need to be under the Christmas tree of someone in particular? Do I need to get this for a friend who fill in the blank? This book is for anybody who has to develop anybody well. If you're a college coach, you have to develop your players. If you're a businessman and you have people underneath you, you have to develop them well. Or somebody does. Your management does. If you are a parent and you have to develop your own small team well. If you are in a church and you have to develop your pastors well. It's for development. We all need to know how to make adjustments. You know, that was a big headline just a couple of weekends ago with a major college in our town where you and I are from. Mm -hmm. That was one of the big red flags was not developing players. Yep. Either quick enough or for next level play. Is there a ton of baseball references in here as well? There are. Could a a sports fan read this? Oh, yeah. And a non-sport fan too, but there's... There's sports stories, which I think people will really enjoy. There's life stories I take from being a parent. There are stories that make it more relatable. There is some technical stuff. There's a little nerdy stuff in there, I will say. But you can pass through the nerdy stuff and keep reading because there's actually a lot of great information and a quiz in there, too. When you say nerdy stuff, too, I think sometimes, for me at least, I like to know the the why behind the what. Yeah. Here's here's why this is happening. Here's what it will pay yeah. off with. I also, when I started reading this, Linda, I thought of people with big paychecks. But I also wonder if the Amazon delivery driver could benefit from reading this book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, let me tell you why. More than anything, we're in 2021. We just went through major adjustments, all of us. I mean, we had a pandemic. We have all kinds of crazy stuff happen in the world. It's still happening. And there's still a lot of people struggling to figure out how do I adjust to all this and what more is coming that I need to adjust to and how much, what's my threshold? So yes, this is about life in steps and how you have to move through it in a way that is comfortable for you. That's why we say peace 
in the subtitle, but also leads you to that productivity or performance that you're looking for. That's the importance of it. In a nutshell, can you define adjustments by what's in this book, like how you define it? Yeah. So adjustment is a small modification to what you already have. It isn't changing who you are. And it has five basic elements that we that our testing proved to us that if you know those five and you understand how to tweak them when you need to, you can handle anything. I'll give you a couple. The first one is your belief system. There's a lot of guys who they get the yips, for example. That's what they say in baseball where, you know, they can't do something. There's like this mental block. Yeah. So what do they do? They bring in mental skills guys. They bring in maybe like a sports psych person. Whatever I think I heard about this during the Olympics. Yeah. One of the gymnasts had the yips. Yep. Okay. okay. It's almost like they can't, they struggle. They can't get past something. Okay. Or like it's an inconsistency and they don't know why. A lot of times um, they bring in people to sort of help them work through it. But we have beliefs that we carry around with us all the time. And for an athlete, some of it can be physical, of course, but a lot of this is mental too. How we believe we can do something, and I'm just going to share this sort of bigger concept, but again, it's not, it's, it's pretty simple. It's based on subjective probability. So basically, if you've always failed at something, you're going to think before you do it again, I'm probably going to fail because you, that's your subjective probability. The probability of succeeding is low. So your belief system is tied up into how many of those things have happened in the past. And so that's part of it. And also uh, what you think you can or can't do. And sometimes that's unrealistic and sometimes it isn't. Beliefs are important. The other one that I think is huge is internal timing. Internal timing? Yeah. Okay. Most people do not know their internal timing. Define it for me. It's how fast your brain cognitively more or less and again i'm taking out a lot of technical stuff here okay um basically how the brain your central nervous system works to create the pulses in your brain because before we had chronological time we have our own internal time it's based on a lot of things but it's kind of based on our own biology okay and some other things so so that makes a that has a lot to do with how fast you adjust and how you adjust so let me ask you, you want to do a quick little test? Come on, let's go. Okay. So I've got in my hand, my clock, and I'm going to put it on my stopwatch. Okay. okay? I'm going to say start, and then you're going to tell me when you think four seconds is up. When I think that four seconds is up. Yeah. Okay. And then just say stop, and then I will stop Okay. the, the little stopwatch here, okay? All right. So you're going to say start, and I'm going to stop you when I think four Correct. seconds has gone by. Okay. okay. By the way, you know I live in seconds in my world. Song intros. Oh, true. Commercial so you things. might be right I, on. I, well, I shouldn't build this up too much, but I'm excited <laughs> to do it. Okay. Okay. So ready? Yeah. Start. Stop. Ooh. <laughs> 2. 2.79. Uh-huh. Can I try again? Yeah, Let me of do course. one more. Okay. Okay, ready? Yeah. Start. Stop. Wow, that's fascinating. So here's what happens. And you work already at a faster internal timing. It's natural to you. Okay. For you to have to slow down and actually do something that maybe bores you is probably really like annoying to you. I would agree with that. That is how you're going to make an adjustment. You're going to make an adjustment really fast on the fly, do it like that, and maybe that will be good and maybe that won't always be good. The next thing, uh, one other element is strategic action. So your strategy might not be the smartest strategy if it's fast. 
And we see that a lot. Sometimes if it's like, hey, I just want to get through it. But it also might be perfect because you might, depending on the situation, your strategy may be like, we're not going to overthink this. We're just going to go forward. That's part of adjustment. Is that all in this book? Uh Uh-huh. Million Dollar Adjustments. Her name is Linda Wurziniak. I'm going to get this right before we're all said and done. (laughs) Where do I get this, Linda? Where do I get it? Okay, so it can be purchased right now on Amazon. I type this into the search bar, though. Million Dollar Adjustments. Yep. It's on Amazon. Yep. You can go to Barnes & Noble, and they'll get it for you, too. Okay. Do you have a a website if anyone wants to do any follow-up questions or any of that kind of stuff? Yes. Where would you point them? Okay. MajorLeagueConsulting.com. That's it. That's it. MajorLeagueConsulting.com. Yeah. And actually, I will say that if you go into like some of the later chapters, it talks about joy. It talks about um, how to use joy like in your adjustment. It's, it's kind of got more to it than you really realize. As a woman of faith, yes. where does faith land in this book? On page 140. I was the last person that should be in baseball, really, right? I, never, I, I wasn't a major league baseball player, um, so God put me there. And through the process of being there, I think that this is a book I prayed on a lot. I'm like, should I even? I told you, Mike wanted me to do it. I said, no. Part of this was because I didn't know if I was supposed to really share about it. Anyway, long story short, I did. Um, I prayed about it a lot before I wrote it and through the writing process. And I think that the reason I'm supposed to write it is because I had no idea what we were going to go through. God gave me that test a long time ago. A lot of times I almost walked away from it. Hmm. I was like, I'm not, I'm, sometimes the teams didn't understand the value of it. So I was like, okay, I guess got to walk away. And then all of a sudden something happened. And God was like, no, you're not. And I was like, what do you mean? <sighs> okay. Then I would get a call. Hey, you're going to go and travel around the draft and you're going to test all these kids. What? Okay. Then I would get the data. I try to share it with somebody. Doors closed. Okay. I guess that's the end of it. Thanks God. That was fun. I'm going on. I'm going to do my next thing. And then all of a sudden I get a call. Hey, you know that test? We need you to test somebody from somebody random or something else would happen. I'm like, God, what are you doing here? Am I doing this test or am I not? So I just have always felt that God wanted me to continue the testing put it out there, and this is a result of what I've learned. And I think that there's a reason that someone is going to read it. I don't know who, and I don't know when. It's going to be important to them because that's the only reason I think he wants us to do stuff. That's why I did it. Million-dollar adjustments, Linda. This has been a delight and a pleasure. Will you autograph my book? I will. I'd be happy to. You're the best. (laughs) All right. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done.